You're listening to Beyond the Plate with Andrew Kaplan. This sounds so weird. You're listening to Beyond the Plate with Cappy. Season three of Beyond the Plate is presented by Martin's Famous Potato Rolls. Hey everyone, this is Cappy and you're listening to Beyond the Plate, a podcast where I sit down with the world's culinary elite to explore their journey with food and their passion for giving back. Every episode, we share inspiring stories of what it means to be in today's hospitality industry. As you know, this season, we welcome a group of celebrities that have a connection to the world of food. Whether they host a food show, have a cookbook, or simply give back through food, we're excited to have them join us on Beyond the Plate. So here's what's going down this week. It's a short break in the action with a bonus episode, but this one's going down a little different than previous season's bonus episodes, if you're familiar with them. See, we started Beyond the Plate, as you probably know, because we know there's more to a chef than the food you eat in their restaurant. And in this season's case, there's more to a celebrity than the role that you may see them play on TV. In season two, episode 13, we talked with Julie Martin from Fane Martin's Famous Potato Rolls. We learned some fun and inspiring behind the scenes stories, as well as how Martin's is prioritizing social impact within their company. So there's also more to a company than the product of theirs you purchase. If you haven't had a chance to listen to that episode, be sure to check it out. Okay, you may have noticed that in my shout outs to Martins during each episode, I like to share how I use their product or somewhere I've had it. So for this episode, we're taking it one step further. I'm gonna literally be in the kitchen, in your ear, cooking a dish using a Martins famous potato roll. Think of it as a cook along. I'll be taking you step-by-step through the recipe in real time. You'll get some tips and tricks along the way and hopefully up your cooking game just a little bit or at least add another recipe to your repertoire. Don't worry too, too much about timing here because as I said, I'll literally be cooking this along with you. I'll keep you on track, timing, what to do when, all that good stuff. Since not all stoves are created equal, if you get caught up or in a little bind, just hit pause. No need to read a recipe, we've got this. Don't take it too seriously and have some fun. Follow along with me at the end of the episode. We're going to have made something delicious together. Speaking of the recipe, you can totally keep listening to this episode if you'd like, but I would encourage you to go to beyondtheplaypodcast.com. You'll find the recipe I created. It's a spicy Korean sloppy joe with quick pickled carrots and sesame slaw. So... Buy those ingredients if you don't already have them at home. Do a little prep and cook along with me in your own kitchen. I chose Sloppy Joe because Martins are the perfect vessel for a Sloppy Joe, the soft, pillowy, light texture of their roll. This is a delicious recipe. I think there's a hundred different ways to make a Sloppy Joe, probably more, and many different things to do with Martins products. But I truly think that it's the perfect roll for a Sloppy Joe. So as you've heard me say about Martin's, it's the number one branded hamburger roll in the United States. It's helped many chefs and restaurants win top honors in burger contests coast to coast. And yet as perfect as this roll is for a burger, it's great for this recipe, but it also works for pulled pork, veggie burgers, PB&J, whatever your heart desires. Little tidbit here, Martin's calls them sandwich potato rolls because they are not only for burgers, hence they're not called Martin's hamburger buns. Anyhow, keep listening, get hungry, or give it a pause to grab the recipe, gather your ingredients, come join me in the kitchen. We good? All right, I'll stop here. 
Please enjoy this recipe as we go beyond the plate for this bonus episode with me in my kitchen. All right, we're in the kitchen. Everybody ready to do this? By now you should have gone to beyondtheplatepodcast.com and printed out or taken a screen grab or however you do things. The recipe for the spicy Korean sloppy joe with quick pickled carrots and sesame slaw. I'm gonna lay out this recipe for you all so you know what's coming, what to expect. But as I mentioned, don't take this too seriously. Let's have fun, I'll cook along with you. You could stop and start and pause as you need to. Don't get too you know, caught up in, in any parts of the recipe if you're behind or ahead. We got this, it's gonna be delicious, I promise you. I am going to do a quick roll call of ingredients. So you can pause at this time if you need a moment to pull those ingredients if you haven't done that yet, or if you forgot an ingredient and I'll rattle off some cooking equipment as well. So if you need to grab something from your cabinet or from your pantry, feel free to do so. This basically right now is something in the industry we call mise en place, which loosely translated in French means everything in its place. So we're gathering everything in front of us so we don't have to make those trips to and from, you know, cabinets and refrigerator and running all around our kitchen like a chicken with its head cut off. All right, ready to rock? So you should have in front of you your rice vinegar. You could have it measured out, you could have it in the bottle. I have mine in the bottle and I have a measuring cup nearby. You see at the end it says divided. If you see divided after any ingredient, it means we're using it in more than one place in this recipe. So your rice vinegar, you wanna have at least a cup and a couple tablespoons more. We are going to use a quarter cup of water. You do not need that measured out. It can be loose. You could run to the tap, to the sink if you need to. You should have a quarter cup of sugar. I have a bag of sugar with a quarter cup measure nearby. You should have your salt. I always have salt and pepper when I cook. I have a little ramekin of kosher salt. It's what I prefer. You should have shredded carrots. I'm using store-bought shredded carrots, a little sack of carrots if you grated your own totally fine. You should have two big handfuls. Again, we don't have to get too, too serious and uptight about this. Two big handfuls, about two cups of a shredded coleslaw mix or thinly sliced green cabbage. My store was out of the shredded coleslaw mix, so I bought a head of cabbage and I thinly sliced it. I think I wound up using a quarter to a half a head was plenty for this. Sesame oil. If you have toasted sesame oil in your cabinet, totally fine. Vegetable or canola oil, that's to cook the ground meat in. It's a higher temperature oil, which is good, what we're looking for. Honey, I have a honey bear on my counter. This is just to uh, counteract some of the acidity in the, the uh, oil and vinegar sesame slaw. Sesame seeds, raw or toasted, either one. Toasted are gonna add a little more flavor. You could use black sesame seeds if you want. I have black ones. I think they add a beautiful um, like appearance to things. I don't think they have a ton of flavor, but they look good. Ground beef. I have my ground beef out on my counter. I use an 80-20 blend. If you like the leaner stuff, by all means. I am not part of the ground beef place. Scallions, green onions, whatever you want to call them. I have three of them. Mine are already trimmed and we can go through how to slice those if you want, but essentially the more white and light green part should be really thinly sliced. And then the darker green part should be cut uh, about a half inch or an inch pieces. I think they, they break down and become tender a little more easy. 
I love the green part though. I cook them last minute, as you'll see. Um, into the fancy stuff, we have the gochujang, which is a Korean all-purpose paste, if you will. Resembles uh, miso in its appearance. It's red, it's spicy. The container looks scary because there's fire and chilies and all this stuff. There's tons of different brands of this. There's local brand. There's a local brand out of uh, Brooklyn right now. Stores like Whole Foods should have it, to be quite honest. I live in Chicago and there's a Mariano's grocery store. They had gochujang. You, if you have an Asian market nearby, if you're in LA, Austin, New York, Miami, this, this is not that hard to find, but as always, you can find the stuff and somewhere like an Amazon or whatnot. Maple syrup, I use the good stuff. If you like the not good stuff, you can use that too. Brown sugar, horrible brown sugar, whatever you like to sweeten it with. Don't, don't, don't get too crazy about it. I'm using maple syrup, I like the flavor. Soy or tamari, I like tamari. I think it's a little less salty and harsh tasting than soy. Tamari has little to no wheat in it and soy has wheat in it, so I'm not a doctor, but Usually people with a gluten intolerance can consume tamari. It's usually found in Japanese cooking, whereas soy is more in Chinese cooking. Um, hot tap water, just get it out of the tap. I'm not gonna tell you what temperature it needs to be. And then of course, our Martin's famous potato rolls, the sandwich potato rolls. I don't toast these. I think they're so pillowy, light, and delicious as is. If you like your buns toasted, by all means, there's also a really interesting technique called cold toasting that a chef friend of mine named Adam Perry Lang does. Um, and if you stay tuned to the end of this episode, I will kind of explain what cold toasting is from Adam. Equipment wise, I'm gonna run through it really quick. You should have, and pause if you need to, you should have a small sauce pot or skillet to heat up the brine for the quick pickled carrots. Have a bunch of spoons, cereal spoons type spoons. Um, I'm using a little whisk to make the sloppy joe sauce. If you have a fork, totally fine. Have a couple measuring cups, measuring spoons. I always like to have a couple mixing bowls. In this case, I honestly grabbed a cereal bowl for the carrots and to mix the sloppy joe sauce, so I have two. I have a medium mixing bowl that we're gonna mix the cabbage, the slaw with. And I have um, some tongs if you want to mix the, the cabbage. And I have a medium to large size skillet to cook the sloppy joes. I'm using a medium, it's a 10 inch nonstick skillet. It's just what I prefer. If you don't like nonstick, you don't have to use it. If you have a bigger skillet, you can use it. I wouldn't go much smaller because if you crowd meat in the pan, it tends to steam and not really like cook and brown. And then I use a potato masher to, to smash up the meat. You could use a wooden spoon. I just like to use a masher. I think it's a great tip that I learned from the boss lady, Rachel Ray. And then let's have a rubber spatula or wooden spoon to mix that sloppy joe once it gets cooking. All right, you ready to rock on this? Let's do it. Let's take our small sauce pot over eh, medium, medium high heat. And we are going to add one cup of rice vinegar. I'm pouring my rice vinegar into my measuring cup. Hence you hear the glug glug, but I really should be taking that topper off because it should come off. I'm gonna pour that rice vinegar into the pot. I am going to add in the quarter cup of water, getting that from my sink into the pot. 
And get all this stuff out of the way as you're cooking. Let's, you know, keep, we're, we're clean here. People always ask how I haven't, don't make a mess. I try and kind of clean as I go, put things aside. That rice vinegar I'm using again, so I'll keep nearby. And then we're gonna add the sugar. We are doing one quarter cup of sugar. So I'm gonna pour that sugar. I'm gonna measure it out. Dump that in the little pot. And then we are going to add the two teaspoons of salt. If you don't like things that salty, add a little less. I'm not gonna stop you. I just think it helps bring out the flavor. All right, got it. We got the rice vinegar, we got the water, we got the sugar, we got the salt. Give that a little mix. You're cooking over medium, medium high heat. Give that a little mix, but keep an eye on it. Once it comes to a simmer, you're going to want to keep mixing. Once it simmers, usually the salt, the sugar has dissolved or is starting to dissolve. So we're gonna let it cook for another minute. While that's coming to a simmer, we're gonna take our carrots. We're using one cup of carrots, as I mentioned. I have a little sack here of carrots. I'm gonna add mine to, you want a heat proof bowl, basically. It could be a glass bowl. Be careful with a metal bowl. You should be fine, but sometimes it reacts and people pick up a flavor, but I'm getting kind of picky about it. So don't worry, again, I'm just using a cereal bowl. And I'm gonna set that. I'm gonna give my brine another little mix. Starting to get warm there. Got my carrots. And then why don't we go ahead, start with the slaw, if you guys are okay with that. While that brine is coming to a bubble, we'll start the slaw. And if we need to put that aside, we can. How's that? So for that sesame slaw, let's add two big handfuls of cabbage into a mixing bowl. I have mine in a plastic bag. Two big handfuls of cabbage there. Again, work clean. I'm throwing away garbage as I go. I'm putting away the sugar as I go because I don't need it and it's just taking up space on my counter. Got my carrots, the ones I don't need, set aside. Good, all right, got sesame slaw. We have the two cups of cabbage in the bowl. We're gonna add one tablespoon of rice vinegar. Have that measured out. And then we're gonna add one teaspoon of sesame oil. I have my teaspoon measure right here. If you're not a big sesame fan, you could add a little less. Cook to your taste, cook to your, to your preferences. If you like things spicy, add spice. If you don't like spice, cut back on the spice. We're gonna add one tablespoon of vegetable oil. I'm gonna measure out my vegetable oil. One tablespoon there. And then we are going to add a drizzle of honey. If you don't love honey, don't add honey. I'm not gonna stop you. Hey, guess what? I grabbed the wrong honey bear for my cabinet. This one was already closed. There's the open one. All right, I'm gonna do a drizzle. My drizzle's like a, I don't know, quarter to a half of a teaspoon, but I like things sweet in my savory, so. I'm keeping an eye on my brine, by the way, and it's starting to come to a bubble, so I'm keeping an eye on it. But as I do that, I'm gonna take my sesame seeds. I have two teaspoons of sesame seeds. I'm gonna add that to the slaw. One, two. I'm measuring in my hand now, by the way. I'm just kinda eyeing it. All right, I'm, pu I'm putting that on hold. I'm putting the slaw aside. 
My brine is starting to come to a simmer. I'm gonna give it a nice stir. Keep an eye on it. Don't put your head right over it because it's vinegar and it'll sure uh, wake you up a little bit. All right, I gave it a stir, the bubbles kind of settled. Let's give it another minute. While I'm giving that a minute, I'm gonna season our slaw. A little pinch of salt and a little shake of the pepper mill. And then take your tongs if you have them. You could use your hand, you could use a spoon and give that sesame slaw a toss. That looks good. Again, sesame slaw. We have two big handfuls of shredded coleslaw mix or cabbage. We have one to two teaspoons of sesame oil, whichever you want. We have a tablespoon or so of vegetable oil, a drizzle of honey, and a couple teaspoons of sesame seeds. Also season that up with salt and pepper. And I am gonna give it a taste because we should taste as we go to make sure it's all good to go. And that's delicious and even better than the first time I made it, which is exciting. You hear me in the fridge. I'm putting that away because I want it to get chilled. I want it to be nice and cold and crisp. You could make this the day before, but quite frankly, it's gonna start to wilt a little, that cabbage. So I'd make it, I don't know, while you're making the recipe, an hour before. But again, if you need to save time, totally fine. Okay, ready? Brine is done. It's been bubbling for a minute or two. I just give it another stir to ensure the salt and sugar are dissolved. Be careful when pouring. I'm pouring the brine over the bowl of carrots. Be careful not to spill, it's hot, okay? Took my dirty pot to the sink, gave it a rinse and set it aside. Careful with that bowl. And my bowl of carrots with the brine that's still steaming over it. Not every carrot is covered, but as the heat hits the carrot and kind of wilts out, I promise you these carrots will be completely submerged. Let's set these carrots aside. We're gonna give them a little bit of time, to be honest. I would like them to come to room temperature in 10 or 20 minutes and then put them in the fridge. But truth be told, I don't know that's gonna happen. So they're still gonna be delicious and pickled carrot. I would like them chilled and crunchy and delicious, but they may not be as chilled, to be honest. So you could make these more ahead of time or the day before. They'll last in your fridge for at least a week, maybe even more. All right, we got our slaw done, we got our carrots done. How's that for timing? On to the sloppies. Let's get our sloppy Joe. What should we do? We could do this, to, to be honest, you could do the sauce now or you could get the meat cooking. Let's get the meat cooking so we could kind of do this in one fell swoop. I have my 10 inch skillet over the heat. I'm gonna turn that on to, let's call it medium high. I don't have my fan in my house on now. It's gonna be loud with the microphone, but I'm gonna turn it on in a little bit. You should still be able to hear me and we should be good to go. So as that's heating up again, let's make sure all of our Sloppy Joe sauce ingredients are ready to rock. First of all, my ground meat is sitting right near the stove. So when that pan is hot and I add my oil, I just add the beef and, it, and it's good to go. Before the Korean Sloppy Joe sauce, again, I have the gochujang, I have the maple syrup, I have the soy tamari, and I'll grab a little bit of uh, hot tap water when we're ready for it. Also using some rice vinegar for that. So that's why we kept that rice vinegar nearby from the brine. And we will use a small bowl 
to mix all those ingredients together. You can use a fork. I have a cocktail whisk that I like to use, but it's totally fine. That gojujang is gonna be like pasty. So once you add the liquids, just stir it kind of um, gently so it doesn't slosh all over. And once you add that uh, hot tap water, it should be, be pretty good. Okay, that pan's been on there about a minute. Should be hot. I'm touching mine. I'm kind of holding my hand about five inches above and you should feel heat. You, you should be able to hold your hand there for a little while, but you know, not burn yourself. I'm gonna add the tablespoon of vegetable oil. Adding that to the pan now. The meat is ready to add when that oil looks shimmering. Does that make sense? You'll see the oil start to move around the pan and look shimmering, and that's when you know the meat is ready to add. So, I have my pound of ground beef. Mine is 80%, let's say 80% lean, 20% fat. I'm gonna add that to the pan very carefully. Hear that sizzle. Okay, so here's what I do with ground meat. If I'm not wearing gloves, quick wash in my hands if I touched it. If not, and you use the utensil, you're smarter than me. So here's what I'm doing. Ground meat is in the pan, it's sizzling, and I have my potato masher, and I'm gently mashing the meat in the pan. In about three or four minutes, this meat should look pretty good and, and cooked with no more pink. I'm mashing, I'm mashing. If you have a wooden spoon, kind of take the back of it and break it up. You want it to get to the consistency of taco meat or so. Just shake in the pan just to evenly disperse it. And again, we're using a pound of ground meat here. If I had more than this, it wouldn't cook properly. It would probably steam because the pan would be too crowded. But you could always use a bigger pan if you're doubling this recipe or you know, you, you happen to have more than one pound of ground meat. I'm sitting here smashing this ground meat up. It's pretty good in smash. I'm gonna give it a break. I kind of uh, evened it out, and, and so it's fully covering the bottom of the pan. My heat is still on medium high, and I see it already starting to lose its pink color, and it's kind of simmering around the edges of the pan. That's some of the water steaming off, and it's some of the oil and the meat and the oil that I added to the pan uh, cooking this meat. So I'm gonna give it another minute or so, and once I see that meat progressing and not as red, I'm gonna give it another stir to make sure it's nice and broken up. While that's doing that, let's get going on the sauce really quick. Um, bear with me, you're doing fine, don't worry. Um, pause if you need to, all good. I have my gochujang. I have two, two hearty tablespoons I'm gonna use here. If you, if you like spice, feel free to use three tablespoons, but this stuff is spicy. Try it raw if you want. It's pretty hardcore. If you like spice, again, add closer to three tablespoons. By the way, there's a great article on gochujang in the Chicago Tribune. Nick Kindlesberger, I believe is his name, wrote. He interviewed Bill Kim, who's a fantastic Korean chef uh, here in Chicago, and they kind of break down what is gochujang versus its sister ingredients, I'll call them. There's samjang and there's some others. Sorry, I digress. Two, two to three tablespoons of gochujang. I'm adding two tablespoons of maple syrup. 
You can measure this, you can have it pre-measured. Honestly, I'm loosely pouring because I like to think I have a decent eye um, when I pour. I wouldn't do that if I was baking. Anyhow, uh, maple syrup. I'm gonna do one tablespoon of soy sauce or tamari. I'm using soy. Kinda adds that uh, Asian flavor to it. And then this is where you add your two tablespoons of hot tap water. So as you can hear, I'm at the sink and I have my two tablespoons of hot tap water and I'm adding that in. And also we're gonna add in the one tablespoon of rice vinegar. I don't wanna forget that. You have your rice vinegar still out on your counter from when we used it earlier in the brine. Two to three tablespoons of goju jang, two tablespoons of maple syrup or brown sugar, one tablespoon of soy or tamari, couple tablespoons of hot tap water, tablespoon of rice vinegar, dip your little pinky in it if you want, give it a try. Say, ooh, that's spicy. And ooh, that's delicious. But we're adding it to raw meat, right? So it'll pick up. All right, I'm back to the ground meat. It's nearly cooked through. You wanna stir it gently because you may have accumulated fat or liquid. I'm now switching from my potato masher over to a wooden spoon. And if you could hear, I'm kind of just busting all this meat up. And as I bust it up, it's almost looking like it's all fully cooked. You'll notice I haven't seasoned this yet. Um, each to their own. Some people season right at the beginning, which is normal with like, you're cooking a steak or a chicken or something like that. But for ground meat, some people say it draws out the moisture too early. And I agree with that. I mean, you're not gonna screw up the recipe if you do season it early. But I'm now tossing this around and mixing it. And I think I'm gonna season it now. So I'm gonna season it with my salt and pepper. Salt is not to make things salty. Salt is to draw out flavor. It's also gonna help this ground meat draw a little bit of a crust, if you will. So I have some salt in my hand. I'm kind of sprinkling it over the meat, kind of evenly, not a ton, just to uh, make it rain a little bit. And then I have about six turns of a pepper mill. That's not precise, it's just what I did. And then I'm gonna toss this meat again, and I'm gonna leave it hang out for a couple more minutes till we're ready to rock. Now, if you have not sliced your scallions like the recipe says, you could go ahead and do that now. Again, the whites and light green part should be super thinly sliced because we're gonna add that to the meat and let it cook out for a minute or so. They're a little more harsh oniony flavor. And then the darker green parts, I've cut on a bias about you know a half inch or so, and we'll add those at the weigh end because those will break down. All right, I think we're good. We have our our slaws in the fridge. I'm taking the carrots and I'm now gonna move those to the fridge very gently because they're they're still hot. They've cooled down a little, but they're still steaming a little. But we'll uh, we'll get that going a little quicker. We have our sloppy Joe sauce, and as I told you, be careful when mixing it so it doesn't slosh around. What happened with mine? I wasn't careful and it sloshed around. It's on my counter, but I'm gonna wipe it up. Let's do a quick counter check to to, to clean up a little. I have a couple measuring cups and spoons. I'm gonna move that over to the sink, stack it nicely. My rice vinegar bottle, I'm done with that. I'm gonna put my sugar away because I'm done with that. This is how I clean as I go, peeps. 
Everyone says, how do you keep such a clean kitchen? I'm cleaning as I go. I have a down minute or 30 seconds. I've cleared off like half of my counter right now. Put my honey away. Sesame oil I'm gonna leave out because I'm gonna use that at the end. I'm gonna put my maple syrup away and soy. You are more than welcome to keep those things out because once you mix the sloppy joe, you may say, actually, I want it a little more sweet and you could add more maple syrup. Um, I'm gonna put my gochujang away. I'm gonna put that in the fridge. It lasts a pretty long time, but you know, if you go to an Asian market, ask them how long it keeps in the fridge. I have my measuring spoon. That's going away. I have a couple random paper towels. I use way too many paper towels. So those are being thrown away. Good, I'm coming back to my meat now. Here it's crackling and sizzling. Oh, that's deliciousness. So you don't have to do this, but I always like to taste everything as I go. So I am going to grab a spoon that I use for cereal or soup or whatnot. I'm just gonna taste a little piece of beef. It's cooked. I wanna make sure it's seasoned properly because we're adding this flavorful liquid, the sauce, but you still wanna make sure this beef is well seasoned and tastes like something. So I added a little more sprinkle of salt. Not to make it salty, but just so that sloppy joe sauce has something to work with, cool? And you guys know your stoves. You know how long it takes to, to cook something or brown something. All right, meat has been browned and it's slightly crisp, getting crisp. I'm hearing that crackly noise. I'm now gonna add in the scallion whites. So I'm gonna lift those off the cutting board onto my hand into the pan. I dropped some on the floor, as I usually do, and I found them. So when my wife comes home, she doesn't say, why is there scallion on the floor? All right, scallions on the pan. Let me give that a stir. Let those scallions cook out for another minute or so. And once those scallion whites cook out for another minute or so, we're going to add the sauce mixture to the meat, turn the heat to like low, medium low, and kind of let it do its thing and stir together for a minute or two. And then um, once that does its thing, actually, you know what? We'll add the scallion greens in with the um, sloppy joe sauce, cool? In about 30 seconds, we're going to add the sloppy joe sauce. We're gonna turn the heat to low, medium, low. Be careful, because if your heat is very hot, that sauce may splatter. And if you're like me, you forget to wear an apron and then you get oil stains on all of your clothes and you learn your dry cleaner's, uh, you know, first name because you see them so often. All right, meat's looking good. Let me give it one more stir. Ooh, it's starting to snap and crackle. Getting nice and brown and good stuff. I'm actually gonna turn my heat to low right now and I'm gonna add the sauce. It looks so good. Add that sauce in. See it's coming to life a little bit. You guys hear that? Adding that bowl to the sink so I don't leave it hanging somewhere random. I'm adding those scallion greens to the pan. And I'm mixing everything together. Mixing, mixing, mixing. Mixing, mixing, mixing. Oh, this looks good and smells delicious. There's one more thing to add. It's kind of like a finishing touch. I'm gonna to let that cook out for just like a minute to let it come together. 
All right, starting to get nice and warm. So I add sesame oil to the end of this, but before I do that, I'm gonna take a taste of it because if you don't love sesame, you don't need to add it. It's hot, so be careful. And it's delicious. So I love sesame oil. I'm gonna finish it with about a tablespoon of sesame oil. Feel free to measure it. I'm just drizzling mine on. I think sesame oil is a great finishing oil because it really does have a strong flavor. So I drizzled my sesame oil on. You don't want it to be oily. You just want it for flavor. And you should smell it right away. Don't add too much, start with a little. Again, it's really strong. I'm gonna taste it again. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We're there. Okay. I'm turning this to super low just to keep it warm. And we're there. All right, let's grab your slaw out of the fridge, your sesame slaw. I'm gonna grab your pickled carrots as well out of the fridge. So you're ready to go. Sloppies are keeping warm. We have our sesame slaw out of the fridge. We have our quick pickled carrots out of the fridge. I have our Martin's famous potato rolls. Again, I am using the sandwich potato rolls, not called burger buns because they're for way more than just burgers. Ready to plate up. Okay, bring your pan over to your dish or bring your dish over to your pan, whatever you choose. And I think you're good with like, I don't, I don't wanna sound silly, like a third of a cup or so of this filling, but just divide it evenly, you know, however you want. I'm using a spoon to just gently spoon over this sloppy meat onto this bun. And don't forget, it's a sloppy joe, so you don't need to be super clean about it. You'll notice oil in the pan, the meat has oil in it, we added oil to the pan. Don't worry, just tilt the pan one direction or another, you're fine. Wow, this smells so delicious. And someone just walked in my house and said, ooh, it smells good. I have the meat piled up. I'm gonna take some of that slaw, I'm gonna give it another mix just so it's nice and well coated with the oil and vinegar and everything. I'm gonna, I'm using like a couple tablespoons or so, but again, I'm not with the slaw, please. Grab about a tablespoon or so of those carrots. You don't have to use all these carrots. Place them on top. Oh my gosh, this looks delicious. And then you wanna get your phone out, get your Instagram photo. You've already seen mine. Snap, snap. And don't forget, like I said earlier, that Martin's potato roll, leave the hinge on the back. So when you open the potato roll, it, you don't try not to separate the top from the bottom. You want it to still be attached, which is even more perfect for the sloppy joe because when you close it, it looks even better. There you have it. Thanks for cooking along with me. That is your spicy Korean sloppy joe with quick pickled carrots and sesame slaw. Thank you for tuning into this bonus episode. To learn more about Martin's Famous Potato Rolls, visit their website at potatorolls.com or follow them on social media at Potato Rolls. Martin's, we thank you. This episode was produced by myself along with Ian Cohen, Joe Yeaton, and Sean Petrosian. We'll be back next week with our regularly scheduled episodes. You can find me and keep up to date with this podcast across all social media platforms at On Cappy's Plate or go to beyondtheplatepodcast.com. Beyond the Plate is on Twitter at BT Plate Podcast and Facebook. Please rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast on your listening site of choice. Thank you for listening to Beyond the Plate. I'm Cappy, and remember, there are never too many cooks in the kitchen.
All right, folks, I'm just giving you a little, this is kind of a little bonus to the bonus. A note on cold toasting by chef Adam Perry Lang of APL Restaurant in Los Angeles. I've known Adam for quite some time and he contributed a great essay to Rachel Ray's Book of Burger cookbook. And I was kind of fascinated with his cold toasting technique. I didn't do it with our Sloppy Joe recipe. I don't think it's fully necessary, although I'm sure it works. Adam claims the bun is often overlooked for a burger or a sandwich. Usually it's noticed when it's stale and tough or becomes a soppy mess, and he's right, let's be honest. But he goes on in this essay to talk about the consistency of a roll and the mouthfeel of it and the chew of it. And he says when you bite through a burger in the perfect bun, the result should be like looking at a cartoon image of a California surfer's board that has been expertly bitten by a shark. You should get a clear, precise bite with no shifting of ingredients. So he says when choosing the right bun for his burger, there's three possible options. He says the potato roll is his first personal choice. And then there's the enriched white roll. And then there's a light version of a brioche roll. He says the first two are pure nostalgia for him. Perfect match to supporting a great hamburger. He looks at the bun like a supporting actor, the co-star in a movie, the role. No pun intended, haha. The role it plays, it needs to be great, is what he's saying. So the texture is very important, and I agree. And when a bun choice is too hard or chewy, he says, quote unquote, backsliding occurs. Backsliding is a term used to describe the shift of the burger and accompaniments, and the resulting slide out of the back of the bun is one of the most heartbreaking moments for Adam. And folks, this is why I love Shake Shack, because they leave that bun still hinged so nothing slides out the back of their burger. So what he does to enhance the bun, he cold toasts them. What does this mean? Cold toasting is a term that Adam made up to describe pre-preparing the rolls. It's a technique that creates another texture and enhances the complete burger taste. Cold toasting also helps defend against soppiness in a bun. So to cold toast, he lightly and evenly butters the roll, and then he griddle toasts the buns until they're golden and lightly crisp. He then removes them from the pan, lets them cool to room temperature. And this method kind of helps the roll maintain a moisture resistant, not moisture proof, he says. Defense, especially helpful if you're serving a lot of wet ingredients with the burger, sauces, wet lettuce, things like that. Anyhow, he uses butter to cold toast the rolls. He says it's key in preparing the hamburger because it provides this protective layer against the moisture once the burger and the wet toppings and all that stuff is added to the bun. So cold toasting is also something you could do ahead of time, as he mentioned, leaving you more time to hang out with your friends if you're entertaining. To Adam, saucy condiments are the bun's worst enemy. For your burger to shine, he says, the subtle co-starring support of a well-chosen and well-prepared bun can make all the difference. I love how Adam geeks out on all food. Long story short, cold toasting, butter, lightly, evenly coat both sides of the Martin's bun, the top and the bottom, griddle toast, maybe medium low, medium until they're nice and golden brown and toasted, remove, let cool, Dunzo. Try it out next time you're making a burger at home. Cold toasting. A bonus to the bonus. Thank you, Adam Perry Lang.